0: Let's spend some time in prayer. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for the chance to be a part of a, of a forever family so that our joys would, would be even more joyful and our sorrows would be more easily borne in this life because we know we're not alone. You've given us your church, and we give you thanks. Father, I pray that as your word is opened and read this morning, that you would help the one who teaches and help all who hear to be filled with hope. Oh, Jesus, how much we need hope. Help us. I pray in your name. Amen. I'd invite you to take your Bible, turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. The passage we're going to look at this morning comes from 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 9. This is God's word. Blessed. Be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you greatly rejoice, even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the Proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Billy Graham said that the world's greatest need is hope. That what the world needs more than anything else is hope. Could you use some hope this morning? Do, Do you know anyone who could use a source of hope? Listen, if you want a hope that will not fade, then you need to look to a source that will not fail. If you want a hope that will not fade, you need to look to a source that will not fail. You need a living hope. And I have a living hope to offer you this morning. His name is Jesus Christ. And if you'll stay with me this morning, then you can leave here this morning full of hope. God's Word, as it's opened and read, and as I teach it to you, God the Holy Spirit would pour out living hope into your hearts, and you would leave here this morning full of hope. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for me, that you would find in Jesus a living hope, one that will not fade Because its source cannot fail. Jesus Christ is our living hope. Now, I want to answer three questions for us this morning. Number one, we're going to answer the question, what is hope? What is it? Then we're going to answer the question, what robs us? What robs us of hope? And then the third question we're going to answer is this. How can Jesus Christ fill us with hope? What is hope? What robs us of hope? And how can Jesus Christ fill us with hope? What is hope? Well, I've already read it, but in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who are according to his great... Mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So what is hope? Hope is this, a joyful expectancy that the best is yet to come. Would you all say this with me? Hope is the joyful expectancy that the best is yet to come. It's a living hope. Now, the world wants to tell you that the best source of hope is inside of you. Oh, if you, would just, if you would just hope, hope, hope. It's good feelings. Jesus Christ, the gospel says that the hope is outside of you. It's in a person whose name is Jesus. It's a living hope. It's a source of hope outside of yourself. Jesus Christ is our living hope. And when Jesus Christ is revealed as our source of hope, we have a joyful expectancy that the best is yet to come. A joyful expectancy that the best is yet to come. Now, for you and I, today, we're going to experience our living hope in three stages. Right now, you can have a living hope right now in Jesus Christ, and that is a good hope. But listen, we're all going to experience something else. We're all going to experience death. And I want you to know that death for a Christian is a better hope. Because when a Christian dies, his soul goes immediately to be with Jesus. Her soul goes immediately to be with Jesus. And though our bodies rest in the grave, even our bodies are still united to Jesus. And That's why, through the resurrection, we have And even greater hope than that, and that is this, that one day Jesus Christ will come again to judge the world and establish the final state of things. And on that day, the best is yet to come. We have good hope now. We have a better hope coming if we're in Christ at our death. But the best hope is our bodies and souls with Jesus on a perfect earth for all of eternity. That is the joyful expectancy of a Christian, that the best is yet to come. Now, what robs us? What robs us of hope? What are the hope suckers in our life that just draw hope out of us? Our past, our present, and our future. All three can rob us of hope. Our past failures can rob us of hope. Our past failures. Do you know anyone who, if you told them about Jesus, they might say something like this, maybe you've shared Christ with someone, you've had a gospel conversation, and they say this, oh, well, maybe I could come to Christ, but you know what? I really think I need to turn my life around first. I think maybe I need to turn over a new leaf. Maybe I need to clean up my act, and then I could come to Jesus. That's someone who's living In the past, they're living on the basis of their past failures. Listen, do you know anyone that if you invited them to church would say something like this? Well, I could never go to church. I mean, you wouldn't want me in your church. Because if I darken the door of your church, the ceiling might fall in. You know anybody who might say that? You know the person who puts this building in the most danger of of crashing in because of his failures is me. I am the biggest sinner in this room. Now, you may not believe that, but it's true. And every single one of us have failures in our past, have failures in our past that we would be terrified for anyone in this room to know about. But you know what else we have? We have an enemy. And our enemy, one of the strategies of our enemy is accusation. He's called the accuser of the brethren. And he loves to reach back into your past, reach back into my past, and point out those past failures, those things that we've said or done or left undone. He loves to take the role of an accuser. It robs us of hope. Our past failures can rob us of hope. Listen, our present can rob us of hope. The futility of life can rob us of hope. Do you ever feel like it's just Groundhog Day? Day after day after day. The same interstate traffic all the way to work. The same interstate traffic all the way home. The same collection of emails. Groundhog Day. Life can feel futile. It robs us of hope. Not only that, but our present, our present can feel hopeless because not only does it feel like Groundhog Day again and again and again, but we're inundated with bad news. Bad news. Ain't it awful? Oh. Economy's gonna go it's economy's going great, but inflation. COVID's going down, but the strains, the variants, oh. bad news all the time. Bad news, bad news, bad news. Our present can suck the joy out of life, suck the hope out of life. If we let it, don't let it. I'm going to challenge you to plug your life into a better source of hope. The futility of life. It's Groundhog Day. It's bad news, bad news, bad news. You know what else robs us of hope in the present? Obsessive comparison disorder robs us of hope in the present. Constantly comparing our lives to someone else's, that robs us of hope in the present. Fear of missing out, that robs us of hope. That robs us of hope. The present futilities of life can rob us of hope. Don't let it. How about our future Our future can rob us of hope because every single one of us face in our future death. You have a one in one chance. None of us are getting out of this alive. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but one of the strategies. Accusation about our past is one strategy. Fear about our future death is another strategy of our enemy. Hebrews chapter 2 says he keeps us captive. He enslaves people through the fear of death. So our, our past, our present, our future, all can rob us of hope. Now, we've established the bad news. There's some good news. Because Jesus Christ can bring us, fill us with hope. Jesus Christ can bring and fill us with hope. How does he do it? How does Jesus Christ fill us with hope? Jesus Christ fills us with hope because he is a Savior. Jesus Christ did not come as a good moral teacher to tell human beings how to clean up their life, turn their life around, turn over a new leaf, and get better. Jesus Christ came as Savior. Look at verse 5. In verse 5, we read this, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Look at verse 9. Obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. How does Jesus Christ bring hope? He brings hope by being Savior. He brings hope by being our Savior. He brings hope by accomplishing for us what we couldn't accomplish for ourselves. Verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus Christ is Savior. And Jesus Christ does for us what we could never do for ourselves. He causes us to be born again. As for you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly locked. But now God has made you alive together with Christ. The offer that Jesus Christ makes to you is not To make a few minor adjustments around the edges. Jesus Christ invites you to a complete turnaround, a new birth, to cause you to be born again to a living hope. It's not something you can accomplish on your own, it's something that Jesus has to do for you. Jesus Christ can cause you to be born again to a living hope. And when you are born again to a living hope, do you know what happens to your past? What happens to your past is this. You can have the confidence that your past failures are not fatal. Your past failures are not fatal. Turn to somebody next to you and tell them your failures are not fatal I mean tell them like you mean it tell them again and again your failures are not fatal now why why are our failures not fatal thank you Jesus but what has he done well, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, we read this. Christ also died for our sins, once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit." What has Jesus Christ done to deal with our past failures? He went to the cross. And on the cross, he paid the full and awful penalty that your sin and my sins deserve. Do you know what that means? When he rose from the dead, he proved that every single one of your sins, every single one of my sins has been paid in full. Now, you get in your car and you drive to Jacksonville, and someday, St. Augustine, and you go to Costco. <laughs> now listen, if any of you go home today and you say, I learned about hope, and they, they say, what did you learn about hope? I, I learned that I can hope a Costco is coming to St. Augustine. <laughs> I'm going to find out, and I'm going to be very disappointed. If you go to Costco And you walk all through the store and you fill your cart with all the stuff and you'll have a lot of stuff. You go to the checkout and you pay. And then you walk to the exit of the store and you meet that nice gentleman, that nice lady, and they say, receipt, please. When you hand them your receipt, they don't ask you to pay again. They accept that the payment has been paid because you have the proof. And the receipt. And when you look at the empty tomb of Jesus Christ, you have the confidence that all of your sin, past, present, and future, has been paid for by Jesus Christ on the cross. There is no penalty left for sin. So all of your past failures are not fatal because they've been paid for by Jesus. You have the receipt. Don't you? If you don't have the receipt, you can. It comes by believing in Jesus Christ, turning away from your sin and turning to Jesus Christ in faith. Have you believed in him? Won't you believe in Jesus Christ Christ? that through his work on the cross, all of your sin has been paid for. And the guarantee of it is in his resurrection from the dead. That is why verse 3 tells us that Jesus has a great mercy. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy and so it was john newton at the end of his life great preacher john newton at the end of his life was asked what have you learned in all your years i am a great sinner and i have a great savior how great is god's mercy towards you your experience of a living hope will grow in direct proportion. To your awareness of your great need of a great Savior who has great mercy for you. Brownlow North was a famous preacher several hundred years ago, and Brownlow North, before he became a preacher, Brownlow North was somewhat of an infamous sinner. He's not like me. Brownlow North was well known in his community for, you know, gambling partying, carousing, betting on horses. Those were all considered really, really bad sins then. Probably are still sins. Brownlow North comes to faith in Christ. And he starts preaching the gospel. And he's invited to preach in a local church. And as he's about to enter the pulpit of this local church, someone hands him a letter. And he says, oh, maybe it's fan mail. He opens it up, and he reads it, and it's a letter from a local person who has outlined all of Brownlow North's sins and then accuses Brownlow North of being a hypocrite. How dare you preach Christ, you sinner, you hypocrite? You know what Brownlow North did? He stepped into the pulpit. He pulled out that letter, And he read it out loud to the entire congregation. He said, it's all true. Every word of this letter is true. And if every word of this letter can be true, then the gospel that I preach to you can also be true. Jesus Christ has paid in full every one of my sins, and he can pay in full every one of your sins too so the great hymn writer said it this way, Well may the accuser roar of all that I have done. I know them all and thousands more. Jehovah knoweth none. Has God's great mercy towards you dealt with all your past sins? Would you have a great hope this morning? Then look to Jesus Christ as the one who has settled your accounts. He has caused you to be born again to a living hope through his resurrection. What about our present? What about our present? Our present life is not futile. Our life is not futile. Turn to someone next to you and you tell them our life isn't futile. Okay, tell them again. Come on. Our life isn't futile. It's not futile. Why? Why is life not futile? Life is not futile because Jesus has moved into our life and he's given us a purpose worth risking everything for. And he's given us his presence to be with us every step of the way through this life. In Matthew 28, we read of Jesus' last words to his disciples. What did he say? He gave two great commands. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded. And lo... I am with you always, even to the end of the age. How can our present life not be futile? Because Jesus Christ has given us a purpose to make disciples. He's left us with a command to go and make disciples. He's left us with a purpose. He's also left us with his presence. The littlest word in all of Matthew 28 is two letters. Lo, lo, lo! It's the second command in this passage. Make disciples is the first command. The second command is, lo, behold, see! Don't miss this. Your only shot at living a life in the present that is not futile is if you say yes to the adventure of a lifetime, to go and make disciples of all the nations. And how can you pull it off? Because, lo, I am with you always. Jesus promises us not only a purpose worth risking everything for, he offers us his presence. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide blessings all mine with 10,000 beside great is your faithfulness great is your faithfulness do you hear the music of the gospel do you hear the good news of Christ present provision of his purpose given to the church and his presence promised to the church oh how can our present lives be filled with hope and not lived in futility Jesus Jesus's purpose to make disciples Jesus's presence with us what about our future what about our future We're all going to die. But death is not final. The best is yet to come. Turn to the person next to you. You tell them, the best is yet to come. (laughs) Now, let me tell you what's in your future. The best is yet to come. Verse 4, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. For you. There is an inheritance. Do you know what that means? It means that all the guaranteed riches of Jesus have been promised to you. God had one son, Jesus, And Jesus is the inheritor of all things from the Father. And Jesus says, I'm going to take you, and I'm going to make you a son. I'm going to make you a daughter. I'm going to adopt you into my forever family. Through my work on your behalf, you're going to be an inheritor. An inheritor of an inheritance. And oh, what an inheritance. Verse 4. Tells us it's imperishable. We just moved. Made us look at all the stuff in the pantry. A lot of perishable stuff in there. Out it went. A lot of stuff in the fridge. A lot of mustard. Too old. Throw it out. It was perishable. But what Jesus Christ offers you is an inheritance that's imperishable. What else? It is undefiled. None of the monies, none of the riches, none of the grace that comes from Jesus Christ is defiled. It's pure. It's perfect. It will not fade away. Remember what I said at the beginning? If you want to have a living hope, if you want to have a a hope that will not fade, look to a source that cannot fail. The inheritance that Jesus offers you is one that will not fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you. If you've put your trust in Christ then Jesus Christ has written your name in heaven and his inheritance is guaranteed to you. You. He knows where the inheritance is going. Then look in verse 7. So that at the proof of your faith... Being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see that word, revelation? Revelation is the last book in the Bible. The word revelation means, or the original is, apocalypse. You hear anybody? saying, I think it's the end of the world as we know it. Lots of people have become REM fans in the last year. But you know what the end of the world is? The end of the world is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Right now, we don't see him, but we believe in him. Right now, we don't see him, but we love him. But there will come a day when he will make himself visible to the world. And when he becomes visible to the world, he's not going to wipe everything out. He's going to bring everything new. We have a sure and certain hope that the best is yet to come. The future is tied up in the promise that one day Jesus Christ will come again to judge the earth and establish the final state of things. Oh, look to the hope of this apocalypse, this future revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, how do we get into this this week? What I want for you this week is I want you to rejoice in your living hope. I want you to rejoice in our living hope. Look at verse 3. The first thing for us to experience a a joy, a, a rejoicing in our living hope is blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The word blessed is the word eulogy. It means to speak good things if you want to begin to experience your living hope, if you want to begin to rejoice in your living hope, then start saying good things about God. Start talking to one another about God. Start talking to others about God. Start recounting the good things of God, and you will find your heart filling up with hope. The more we're consumed with God and less consumed with ourselves, the more we'll grow in hope. So number one, we need to completely reorient ourselves from self onto God. That's how we'll rejoice in our living hope. Secondly, we'll rejoice in our living hope in verse 6. In this, you greatly rejoice Even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. We will rejoice in our living hope as we face trials head on. It won't do us any good to waste time wishing, hoping that we won't have difficulties in this life. We will you will experience various trials, but you'll never have to experience them alone because of two great gifts, the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you'll come back next week, we'll learn more about the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. You can experience a living hope even in the face of trials because of the work of the Holy Spirit. And number two, the gift of... Biblical community, life together. When you experience various trials, don't go alone. Find a group of people to walk with you and to keep pointing you back, keep pointing you back, keep pointing you back to Jesus. Then verse 8, we will rejoice in our living hope as through, though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. We all will experience our living hope as we look in faith to Jesus. Though we don't see him now, we love him. And oh, as we look to Jesus by faith, we will continue to experience not just joy, but joy inexpressible. Greatly rejoicing with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Oh, what is our hope? Chuck Colson says this, where is the hope? I meet millions who tell me that they feel demoralized by the decay around us. Where is the hope? The hope that each of us have is not in who governs us or what laws are passed or what great things that we do as a nation. Our hope is in the power of God working through the hearts of people. That's where our hope is in this country. That's where our hope is in this life. Where is your hope? It's in Jesus. And in Jesus, your past failures aren't fatal. Your present life is not futile. Your death isn't final. The best is yet to come. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you speak to each heart here? Would you speak to every heart present here and would you help us to see Jesus? Would you show each person here, each person watching online, would you show them that area of life that's robbing them of hope? Holy Spirit would you help us to come to Jesus to see in his cross his resurrection the payment of our debt the great move into our lives in our present now the certain hope of our good future that the best really is yet to come If you're here this morning and you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ, won't you? Won't you admit to him, Jesus, I admit that I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. Jesus, I believe you died and rose again in my place. Come into my life as Savior and Lord. Help me, Jesus, become the person you want me to be as I follow you all the days of my life. Jesus, as we end this service singing, would you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, give us that joy inexpressible and full of glory. May we sing from our hearts as loud as we can because of all that you've done for us, Jesus, in giving us a living hope. I pray in your name. Amen. Amen.